Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Chatting Shit, a podcast we've started. And um, yeah, we're just going to get straight into it. Yeah. Do you want to do your news story first, or should I do mine? Yeah, I'll go first. So You can go first. Cool. Put a little link in chat there for you to open. Yeah, I can see that. And this is, uh, for those of you obviously listening, you can't see the clip. Uh, this is the clip of the two high jumpers who uh, shared gold at the Olympics, which I thought was quite an interesting thing just to kind of you know, start on. Well, so what happened? They get the same height. Yeah, so they both got, I believe, two meters and 37 centimeters. Yeah. And then had a jump off of which none of them could go higher, I think, to 239 or 240. And then the favorite to win it, who was from Qatar, uh, asked if they could share gold medals. And the Italian guy was over the moon, uh, as you're seeing in the clip. Yeah, I can see that. He's uh, absolutely loving it. That's an incredible jump. Yeah, it's just thinking how high 2.37 meters is. That's insane. Yeah, so the guy uh, from Qatar was favorite to win. Yeah. And the Italian guy was an outside looking. So the fact he got that amount, he was stunned. And it was just sort of a great spectacle because I was actually watching it at the time. I mean, one of the only events I've been actually able to watch at the Olympics. Yeah. Because they're all uh, overnight. Oh, yeah, neither of them could get higher than that. That's impressive, though, still. For both of them to, A, get the jump, and B, be so open to sharing the gold medal they seem really happy both of them but i suppose you would be after winning a gold medal yeah and neither of them sort of feel i guess like demoralized by the fact that they're not going to be the singular winner which is i think quite good because a lot of people will probably think oh well only one of you has a medal or the gold medal in this sense because the gold medal means infinitely more than the silver one to a lot of people unfortunately like anyone else could ever get either of those two medals yeah but anyway like it, i just thought it was quite insane because that's not i don't think that's been done since the 1900s i'm not exactly sure when i will actually check it's very sweet that they managed to share the gold medal between them and you can see what it meant to especially the italian that you said isn't as fav- or wasn't as favored to win you can see how mentally went when they agreed literally just rolling around on the floor and jumping on the guitar. So the last time an Olympic track and field goal was shared was back in 1912. Uh, So yeah, that it's been, it's been a while. I'm trying to find what the medal they shared back in 1912 was actually for. Uh, Have to go to a library to run out. Probably. (laughs) I'm just trying to look. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think for either of them getting a gold medal, even if it is shared, is a bad thing. Yeah. And getting a gold medal is getting a gold medal in the end of, at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, even a medal. Yeah, big, big true. thing. But I think it's just nice to sort of see that sort of unity between nations in that sense. Well, that's what the Olympics is for. Yeah. Unity between nations, even in competition. Indeed, indeed. Well, speaking of olympics did you see the story of the belarusian athlete who was forced who was offered i say offered offered a forced flight home 
often. from Belarus because she tri- she criticized her coaches. I think she criticized the regime of how they were being trained and how they were being handled at the Olympics. And after that, she got she got pretty much forced to the airport and refused to get on the plane, but then was offered a visa by Poland and she's at the Polish embassy in Tokyo and she's staying there until she knows whether it's safe to go home because Belarus has quite a strict government. Their president's been ruling since 1994-95. A lot of rules around uh, dodgy ongoings over there. And her husband her husband's fled the country. He's fled to Ukraine and he's set to join her in Poland so that they can um, just be safe in a different country because they both fear for their lives in Belarus, even criticising her coaches at the Olympics. I think that's mad. That is insane. It seems sort of like a weird thing to go on. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying here, seeks asylum because of uh, defection. Yeah. Apparently, there's been a lot of Olympians who have gone to the Olympics and then used it as sort of a getaway from their country. Oh, that's interesting, really. Yeah. I forgot exactly where I saw it. But yeah, so in 2012, there was a boxer from Cameroon. Uh, I can't really pronounce his name. I, I, I will fail with this. Uh, I will if I can, copy the name and put it in the chat. Uh, because I can't say that. Uh, spell Y-H-Y-A-C-I-N-T-H-E. Uh, Surname's Abdon. Abdon. That <laughs> we'll, one's simple. We'll just call him Abdon. We'll just call him so, Abdon. Him and also another boxer called Christian. Same, uh, same country. Yeah. Same year. They both disappeared during the games and were later granted asylum in England. That's interesting. They just up and disappeared yeah. during the games. So the London games, they just went to England, never came back. I mean, any way out's a way out, I suppose. That yeah, that's the thing. Quite it's a hard scary to because the Olympics to get out. So I'm putting another thing in just now, and that's the list I'm looking at. And these are all the people that have sort of left, just up and left. God, there's quite a lot. I'm seeing a lot of ones from Hungary. A lot of Cameroon as yeah. well. It's very odd. You wouldn't think that there's that amount. I did read something about an Olympian this year who changed his nation from the last Olympics. You can do that? I think so. I had no idea that was a thing. I presumed it was birth country, is the Yeah, so I... The Olympics. And I would have thought since you like once you represented once, you can't do it again. Yeah, that would make sense. At least you can do it for a different country. Yeah. Um, but I believe he moved from representing Iraq to I wanna say Cambodia, but I don't know why I want to say that. Um it was mixed martial art. Um that's an interesting move, though, from Iraq to Cambodia. That's not exactly... Was, uh, can I find it? Uh, but I didn't know there was such a, a thing around the Olympics where there was so much kind of yeah. being unhappy in the games until this 
Tokyo Olympics, where obviously with the amount of social media that the Olympians are being allowed to have or being forced to use to try and market the games to a load of people. I've seen a load of people being unhappy with the quality at the Tokyo Olympics. I know the beds were made out of cardboard, yeah, cardboard. recycling and um, environmental reasons, but apparently they were just completely uncomfy. And I saw yeah. that a load of people were criticizing how the food was, but I think that might be because they've been eating pretty well as as Olympians. I don't know how much. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, because obviously there's a lot of sort of influencers who are also athletes, do a bit yeah. of both, as in uh, a few of them are on TikTok and do things, uh, showing them around the villas and all the f- like free stuff they get, like the free shoes that customize yeah. their feet. I-, I thought they were pretty cool. I thought they were very cool. But it's just, it's mental to see how there's such a range of how people feel about it. And yeah, I was is. saying, I do really feel bad for those Olympians who this will be their only Olympics. Like, because yeah, for, for a lot of people, you'll get one shot. And especially if you don't do well, that you're only Olympics, you had no one watching. Yeah, the Tokyo Olympics has been a weird one. I don't think as many people have been watching, at least, that I yeah. know have been watching. It might be because of the time zone differences in Tokyo. Or... I just don't think as many people are bothered anymore. It's a real weird thing. A lot of people just don't seem as bothered with the Olympics at all anymore. I mean, I was never fully captivated by it, but I remember no. the London Olympics. London was felt, oh, it felt quite big, but it, it would have because, you know, it was here yeah, as well. It was here, not far from us. So, well, I went to see some of the Olympics in 2012. I remember that. Yeah, I went to some of the. I think. I, went to pole I don't know what I went to. Like that. Oh, mate, I went to synchronized swimming. I was living it up. My favorite event. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely um, do what they do. I am a fantastic swimmer, no doubt. I have no chance. I have no sense of timekeeping. Synchronized swimming would not be for me. Oh no! In, in reality, I'd be awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, an interesting point was made actually that um, some people—it might be a joke, might be a serious thing. People are on about like drawing average people into the Olympics and sort of getting your name drawn out of a hat and just sort of ch- giving giving a bit of training and being chucked out there, which I thought could be quite an interesting spectacle to an extent. That would be a sight to see. It would be a sight to see, even if it was like a like lower down version. So you still have the Olympics, but you have a like open Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. I think that would be brilliant because the 100 meters could be one of the slowest events. (laughs) It could be slower than the 200 with certain people drawn. I think it would show a lot how good the Olympic athletes are. Yeah, do something like that. Like a lot of people definitely make the Olympic athletes be more in perspective. Then, yeah, like imagine high jump with like yeah <laughs> me and you, me me and you probably. I mean, I'd struggle to clear a meter. I can't high jump to save my life. God, I'd be awful. It's not my expertise, and gymnastics as well. Gymnastics, Jesus. There is the chance that someone they pick could just completely outshine. That is the kind of issue because the only way to do it fairly is for everyone to have it done randomly. But would you say that you've got to be at a certain level? So you'd have like an amateur Olympics. 
an amateur Olympics would be fun. Someone that's not a complete novice, someone that knows their sport, but, but is not, not at the highest level, like yeah. the Olympic athletes. I think that could be good because they kind of do something like that with the football because I think only three of your players can be older than 23 at the Olympics, oh, really? which is why the teams are normally as poor as they are. They're oh, not poor yeah, as no, bad, I was, but I like, was, you, you look at the French wondering. national team and then you look at the team that they field at the Olympics and there's a big gap. I just presumed that was because a lot of the, the better football stars were more worried about the actual football yeah. focus, like the World Cup and the Euros. To an extent it out. is. Uh, because in the last Olympics, I believe Brazil won it because Neymar participated. Yeah. And they kind of went for it that year, which is fair. I mean, it's fair enough because a gold medal is still a lot, but in the football world, a gold medal is nowhere near a league title. No, or a World Cup or your Euros if you're doing your international tournaments. And normally your international tournaments are going to take everything out of you before the Olympics. Yeah, and you can't just run all year round because when you're done with your international tournament, if it's the Euros or the World Cup, um, which it falls in line with the Euros in Copper America, um, you'll do the Olympics and be straight back into preseason, or you might miss preseason. Yeah, and they can't. They you. can't afford that most yeah. times. especially players at top clubs who are going to want to be getting paid. Another piece of news I saw this week was that Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney on ah. a completely different branch because Changing her new Black Widow film, that I have yeah. to say was very good. I enjoyed it. I haven't seen it yet. I, I need to see that. No, I really need to see it. I'm so behind on so many movies currently. I saw it in cinema when it came out. Very nice. So I this lawsuit doesn't going. apply to me. I've done my bit. But she's suing Disney for a breach of contract as they released the Black Widow film onto disney plus streaming at the same time as they released it into cinemas All and right. she only gets paid from the box office sales and right, they so said that they would yeah. release it on disney plus afterwards so that um she would get more box office pay from it and it did suffer as in a lot of people watched it on disney plus yeah as a lot of and, people would yeah when it got put on less and less people were going to the box office and she wasn't getting any pay for it and then she sued because she said she was promised by disney that it would be a theater release and that she would be getting uh pays from the box office and then once it got put on disney plus it would be like all the other movies where disney takes the money from it and not that many people watch it she felt she'd been cheated by disney which i think is a fair statement because disney obviously aren't They're not the, the most trustworthy company. company they don't uh always do the best for everyone but that's just that is a strange one very very strange one no because she still made i think 50 million or 80 million something like that she she projects yeah she projects that she lost 50 million from it being Um, put on disney bus when you paint it like that 50 million is a lot of money but if you said like she made 50 then it's like oh does it does it really matter because it is Disney? But it is, yeah, realistically, she's if she's promised theatre release and they don't do theatre release, they're in the wrong. Yeah. And she feels like she's given enough to the company oh, to yeah. get them a lot she's of money. She's been there for a while. And so she, she deserves her fair dues, which is fair enough on her yeah. part, I think. I just I find it interesting that these people with so much money are suing each other. 
yeah. like money is a problem to any of them. Yeah, like Scarlett Johansson really struggling to pay her bills right now. No, exactly. As a Disney. To be fair, <laughs> Disney could be considering probably, the... Uh... Uh, honestly, they'll probably settle out of court because there's no point for either of them to do a lawsuit if Disney can pay. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see if they it's do take legal fees <laughs> through yeah. the roof. All right. Well, that is, that is quite odd. Right. On to the uh, main topic. Yeah. So, a year in COVID. Right. So, we are both students in sixth form now. Yep. And over the last year, we have been hit with the unthinkable pandemic. That was a an interesting ride. We seem to be out of it, or not out, but you know, almost out. We're out. In of the clear sailing part now. We're yes. coming to the end of covid our restrictions are almost lifted i mean they technically all are uh all are apart from isolation i think we still have to do that unless we're double jabbed but aside from that they're done i believe god it's taken a while hasn't it yeah so i mean we'll run it back to the start january 2020 so new decade everyone thought oh brilliant it's gonna go new beginnings everyone's gonna do something fresh no 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 31st first positive test in the uk to be honest as a student who was about to do their gcse's we were before gcse's when the first yeah. i didn't really think much of it country. i wasn't like that worried i didn't think it'd be a big thing no i can't say i was either i really thought it would be because it was very big in obviously China when it started, but they we weren't getting much news on it until there was a few cases and people were like, oh, it'll just be a small flu. And then yeah. the cases rose very, very rapidly through to, I suppose... February and March is when they went up because we went into lockdown in March. Yeah, and then, yeah, school ended in March for us as year 11. We yeah. didn't do GCSE exams. We got let out of secondary school with predicted grades from the rest of the years which was then taken through to which, six months. like i don't think predicted grades were necessarily a bad thing for everyone i think generally they got most of us where we needed to be especially especially at where we were i think the grades were either accurate to our performance or more generous than our performance which was yeah good. i know in a lot of the country people were complaining a lot of people weren't pleased especially with the algorithm Yes. A lot of people were displeased with that, so I'm happy that was amended. But I feel like a lot of students feel like they could have given more. I was one of those. Um, but it wasn't like I was hard done by. It wasn't like either. I was... Like, I still got into my school of choice quite comfortably, yeah. just generally. Um, I mean, a couple of grades were <laughs> on the boundary, but I think they had to be, realistically, uh, due to my poor performance in the mocks. But... Through January, February, and March, a lot of kids almost welcomed the idea of not having to sit exams and sort of a flu incense stopping them. Even like, obviously, no one wanted what's happened because that would be. No one could have predicted what's happened, I don't think. A lot of people kind of were thinking, well, if I don't have to sit exams and I can just get given my grades, I'd rather do that, which is, I mean, it's fair enough. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I was against being given predicted grades because no. I was stressed as you would be for the twenty odd exams we have. At yeah, Jesus. I think I had twenty three. 
I had something stupid like 27 exams. Yeah, that's just mental. I just come out of a hard year myself. Yeah. And I wasn't looking forward to it. Because for you to get all that content as well. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of catch up for subjects like history. But yeah, the GCSEs was probably the best bit of the whole yeah. COVID. That's <laughs> the thing. Like those grades, because after that, we then went into sixth form, having not done school, the end of it, having not done exams, having not done yeah, a lot. Yeah, and that feels like it's especially for me hindered my progression, just generally in exams. Yeah, completely. I don't feel very prepped for like for the mocks we did. I did better than I thought I would in some and in others I'm annoyed at things I just didn't get right on the day. Yeah. But I don't feel any confidence in exams anymore really. No, I feel like after we got given our predicted grades I thought this I feel accurately represented how I did. So why are we still doing exams now? Yeah. If there is clearly a better way to get grades for everyone. Yeah, predicted grades kind of felt like you especially for mental health i feel like a lot of kids uh, struggle with exams for mental health reasons like they put you under a lot of pressure yeah completely really to bring out your best you have to sacrifice a lot yeah and for a lot of people some struggle to do it and can't do it which puts their mental health on strain because then then think oh i'm not good enough and people who are able to do it are straining their mental health by being able to do it so it kind of feels like a lose-lose situation no matter how good you are at exams. The only yeah, way no. to sort of not sort of <laughs> collapse with mental health is by not caring almost, which is sort of not where you want to be for an education system. No, that's definitely not how the education system should function, getting kids no. to the point of where they would rather not care than do well. Yeah, which is why i'm happy that we did get predicted grades but i couldn't tell you how um how apparently we're getting reduced content for next year well that should be should be i don't know if they mean reduced as in this like overall reduced or they take out a section or what so yeah. it might be like oh you need to know less for more marks or you don't have to learn like for me for history like oh you don't have to do um, the second half of the Russia course which I've already yeah. done or it's oh you don't need to know Germany as in depth to pick up as many marks that would be helpful I think having the first year at A level system that we have had missing probably over half of our yeah. school year effectively I count online learning as missing because it's yeah. not on par with the in person learning that we the had. system we had didn't really reward going to school no not at all it kind of just felt like a longer day yeah through through september when we joined sixth form we were obviously week in week out yeah learning as in one week online online content and then the next week in school kind of solidifying that content that we'd learned online yeah and i i don't know how you feel about that but i personally didn't like that system at all no i, I was wasn't a fan because I'm not a fan of online learning at all, but I think the worst part is that the week in, week out thing kind of disrupted me. Like from one week, I was like, all right, cool. I'm in this week, go online next week. And then after sort of chilling out at home, because realistically, I know a lot of people who didn't do anywhere near as much work as they should have in the week in, week out period. I'd say 
I did as much work as I should have done, but I did enough work to get oh, yeah. by through that time. But it I was very hard. Work, but it was very evident when we went back in full time that I hadn't done as much as I could have. Yeah. Because when we got back, my grades started going up quite quickly in comparison yeah. to where they were. And I realized that how COVID had actually just affected my work ethic. I completely just struggled to sit at home and just revise for any yeah. sort of minor tests that we did. And I know a lot of people in my subjects especially struggled. Yeah, online we had kind of, what, two lessons, three lessons of each subject a week that were two-hour lectures, which was a long time to sit at a desk and just watch your teacher talk with, at the start, little interaction because they had to put together the system very quickly and yeah. with very large class sizes with minimal kind of student-teacher interaction, very little participant. And I think partly the worst thing was, like, if we went online now, I wouldn't mind it as much. And it's purely because I know my classmates a bit better. Yeah. But when we were asked to speak to people online that I'd never met before, it's not like I have an issue with doing it. It's just sort of, I don't think anyone really likes it. It's just nicer to sort of meet people, which we never really got the chance to do because we didn't have uh, our freshers week. No, of course not. But then after we did the week in, week out system at sixth form, we did go pretty much for about a month back into school normally. And then we had to go into the third lockdown yes. COVID, through January and February, where we missed another two months of school completely online, where the lectures were better. I'll give them that, but it was still missed in-person learning where we missed a yeah. lot of important teaching. I think they did sort of realize that it wasn't as effective. And if it was their choice, they wouldn't have done it. But I get why they had to. Uh, yeah. But it was it was a real struggle, really. And I feel bad for people in the upper sector as well. Um, yeah, no, because they had their proper exams. But even worse, that they didn't get the teacher predicted like everyone else did like that. They also had to do some exams on top of that. That's like, probably the worst some case schools, scenario, yeah. In some schools, they didn't do that. But they decided, oh, yeah, we're going to... Uh, see what you have done and yeah. for me that would be like the worst possible thing like if you're told you don't have to do exams and then you do have to do exams yeah no the whole situation was handled very badly for both upper and lower sixth form i feel yeah we, we weren't told accurately by the government or by the school what was going to happen we were given yeah. dates and then when that date rolled around they were pushed back a week or they were brought forward yeah, that's one of the issues was I a had. little bit on edge for when the next announcement would come from the government and from Boris saying, here's the dates where you're going back into school or here are the dates where your lockdown is going to end and you can take off your masks or you can ease into your classrooms again. And it was just a very tense time. So there wasn't enough kind of relief for learning to be able to take place. Yeah, that was one of my struggles in sort of compiling because I've got a little timeline here. And a lot of these, for me, I feel were dates that we were given to start with and then were adapted uh, because we hadn't met some goals that we needed to meet for us to move out of a certain stage. Obviously, that was the um, back end of the uh, well, middle of this year, back end of COVID. Yeah. But a lot of times the dates bounce about, which, you know, 
difficult to deal with, really. It was. It was a very difficult time. That's probably the best word for it. But we've had the tier system. We've had national lockdowns. We've had national easing. I mean, we've had it pretty much all. But through that year, I mean, in the earlier months through sort of February, March and April, wasn't really that bothered. Through May, June and July, I was sort of first lockdown. I was all right. I mean, I won't lie. A lot of... uh, a lot of online gaming, a lot of online socializing. It was quite fun just to sort of talk to. Yeah, know, that time, that time was kind of the transition in between secondary and sixth form where we hadn't done any exams. It was just summer. We didn't have to go. We weren't allowed to go outside for COVID. So a lot of it was just sitting online and doing nothing all day because there wasn't anything to do at that point. Yeah, it was quite nice to reconnect with some people, even though it did get stale towards the end of July, which is we had the rule of six. That was all right. So went out and had a kick about a few of us. But apart from that, like I still had a social distance through July due to, well, obviously everyone did, but I had to make uh, 100% sure due yeah. to my grandparents being in the sort of vulnerable category of if I call oh, yes, it, of course. we've been in a very dangerous sort of state. But after sort of August, moving into September, when we went back to school and through October, I really struggled to sort of put my mind where it needed to be for school i'd lost that sort of edge i had when i went into school of sort of concentration yeah no i understand that it felt like we'd gone from nothing to being launched back into a school system that wasn't fully thought out and we were being told to kind of just suck up all this content and all these different rules as well as getting used to being in school again while we weren't even actually at school So it was a weird hybrid of being at home and being at school at the same time and having to separate home time and school time because we were just sat in the same place. That was that was a big thing for me because I just couldn't really concentrate because the ease of being in online classrooms and just for some people, you know, jumping in calls together like we're doing now, just sitting and talking instead of listening to lessons. People Yeah, that was a big thing. And I know a lot of people did it. And that's just you can't expect people not to. Like with lectures like that, with minimal interaction, it's difficult to concentrate. They were apparently long lectures, two hour lectures with no interaction. So we did get together and just do the lectures together. And at that point, you're not paying attention to the lecture anymore. Yeah. You're paying attention to your friends, paying attention to half of the lecture. And then no one's learning anything. But I mean, since 2021 began eight months ago now, um, we've had smoother sailing just generally. so January was honestly not great. February, March, because that was sort of still locked down. In March, we began easing. And from then on, we've kind of had a smoother sailing. Yeah, since, since the end of March, I'd say it's been a normal school year. The first normal school yeah. year we've had in sixth form. One thing I just thought about, which I found really weird. You know what we got for our mocks? Those scores were taken from the 2019 paper so they marked us as they'd have marked any other normal exam yeah yeah they did i think they gave us a tiny bit of kind of leeway with our grades and they boosted us a little bit but they do that yeah, for a lot of predicted, predicted grades every year. with the actual uh grades they were taken straight from like ocr and lxl's uh yeah, 2019 yeah, marking were. which i mean i understand but to some extent for those who really struggled online and i know there's a lot of people who do me included because i can't focus it kind of felt like 
I'd actually done quite well, all things considered, realistically having, what, a couple months under my belt of real in-school? Because let's say yeah. we're out in March, uh, March, May, June. That was that was it. Mocks were in June, I believe. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, no, going from online school completely to a few months, three months of learning kind of crammed in where they were trying to gauge how much we knew and they realized we didn't know very much at all. And then trying to speed run the whole course before our exams in June, it felt like all things considered through the year, I did okay in my exams, not nearly as well as I would have liked, but giving myself the benefit of the doubt of not being in school for so long, I feel like I did pretty well, yeah. which I, I can't say for everyone. I know a lot of people did really well because they've managed to buckle down very easily at home and put in the work completely at home. Yeah, I know multiple people who did extremely well and a lot of people who didn't do as well. But that's yeah. not on people. Well, people have done not as well. It's not a you're not good at school or anything like that or because obviously you are to like for where we go to school. I mean, everyone we, we're at school with is quite intelligent, what I've yeah spoken to people about. And I feel like some people have just been able to ride the situation better than others. And those people who have been yeah. able to ride it well have really sort of been blessed. And that's no sort of, that's not me trying to talk down to any of them who have done well, because, I mean, all props to them. It's very impressive. But I feel people that haven't done well have been hard done by, more so than, yeah. you know, their inability, which isn't the case. But yeah. Completely. I will be very interested to see how they cope with the second year of the a-level courses yeah. if we do get given reduced content if we do get given leeway in our exams at the end of the year if they expect us to get back on track if covid is completely gone by our second year and then do a normal year because I, I we obviously get our grades that we need for university next year in those exams or in whatever yeah because we've got some exams i think in the first month back possibly first few weeks yeah we do so I mean, after August, we're straight back in the mix. So it'll be interesting to see how people do and how much of the content they've actually learned, considering um, yeah. that a lot of it was crammed in a small, uh, small like three-month gap for the entire year. But yeah, yeah, no. So God knows how that's going to go. But oh, it'll be interesting to see. It will. I think we have covered everything yeah, I no, want to I'd talk about there the same. about COVID cover pretty much it all we'll see what the future holds thank you all for listening that is the first episode and we'll be back again in no time at all